Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Beards. This is episode number 268. You're recording this live Friday afternoon, our usually scheduled time, January 15th of the year 2016. My name is Rob the Beard Woodbridge uh, from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and joining me, as usual, it is Asif Khan. Last time you'll see the beard. Oh, uh, so sad. The uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm in uh, balmy Toronto today. Yeah, you know what? I can't believe you're going to shave that damn thing off. It looks so good. Yeah, no, it's got to go. It's got to go. Well, I don't know. I keep saying that my, uh, I, I keep saying it's got to come off and my kids are like, yeah, it's okay, dad. I, you know, but my wife says she likes it because as I said, it covers my face. It covers my face. She likes it when I put my hat on and it covers my forehead and oh, then it just go. covers my face. And the only thing you see is my eyes, basically. And that's hey. it. It's a perfect husband. Just the eyes. <laughs> Anyways, Asif, how's it going, man? It's been like a, like a day since we saw each other last. I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Twice in a week. Yeah, that's unheard of. The reason we're doing it is because I got to go. I'm going skiing tomorrow. That's Saturday. Yeah. So I'll be but on the hill. You're going to have a blast. Yeah. It's going to be worth it, Rob. Two in oh. a week is worth it. Two in a week. This is, these are some good stories. We could probably do one a day. You know that? We could. We could do like this week in location-based marketing daily. It doesn't make sense. But we could do something like that. Want to try? Mm. Want to try? No. All right. I'm not doing it. Too much. Too much. You're on your own for that. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, on your own, Asif, you've been in Toronto for way too long. What's going on with the LBMA, buddy? A lot of stuff. Um, so we'll start with uh, next week. Uh, we're not running any official events, but obviously next, next week is uh, the NRF uh, show for oh, yes. all those retailers and uh, people selling to the retailers. So many of our chapter leaders will be in town. I know Dan from New York will be there, obviously. It's his town. Uh, I know uh, Brianna's going uh, from Atlanta and Marie from Chicago, uh, etc. So um, lots going on there. I won't be there. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're into retail, you should be at NRF next week. Um, following that, uh, February 2nd uh, and 3rd, I will be in Munich, uh, München, uh, for the LOCA conference, which is our LBMA uh, location conference for the European market. And uh, excited about that. That's uh, two days of just uh, all sorts of talk around location, not just retail. And uh, a bunch of great speakers that Karsten and his team have put together. Uh, and then uh, on the, also on the 3rd uh, of that uh, week, February 3rd, the New York chapter is hosting an event, which should be very interesting. It's, uh, it's called Election Year, How to Win Using Mobile Location Marketing. So this is all focused on the political uh, campaigning that's going to be going on uh, in, in the U.S. this year and uh, how location is going to play a role in that. So that should be a very interesting event. Um, at the 10th of February, the Toronto chapter is hosting an event on location-based customer loyalty, uh, so looking at the integration of lo location loyalty platforms. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but uh, the only other thing I want to mention right now is Retail Loco. Yes, Retail Loco is back uh, this year, March 13th at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Uh, tickets are now open, uh, so you can go to retaillow.co uh, and buy a ticket if you uh, are planning on going down there. Uh, we're still uh, a couple spots left for sponsors, not too many. Uh, it's pretty much wrapped up. But uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And um, Rob will be there, I will be there, and uh, it's going to be a good show. 
You know, uh, you know what I'm going to be doing on February. That's what 2nd? I got. You know what I'm going to be doing on February second, man. This is what I'm going to be doing on February. What are you going to be doing? Gonna be uh, right, right. Oh yes. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, that's the ties that bind by Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to be there with my kids and my wife watching Bruce Springsteen in concert. Maybe I should just leave this playing the whole time, or maybe I'll sing. As we unfreeze. So, uh, big show today, Asif Khan. Giant show. Uh, ten, ten news yeah. items as usual. Five industry news. Five member news. We have a guest. What is this? It's an eye report. You put out the challenge last week, and you actually got somebody to respond to the challenge. I did. Yeah. Like, that's that's like snap my fingers, get a response. Uh, yeah, you know. So some people are just you know like really good at uh, you know getting getting stuff done. Wow, this is so we're calling this an eye report, right? And this is uh, this is from uh, from Atlanta, the LBMA on site in Atlanta, and it's uh, Abriana Lopez and uh, Rob Friedman of Digital Element Element, and uh, they will be on uh, to give their what's you know the lay of the land in Atlanta, and of course we got a resource uh, this week. Uh, we are sponsored by our good friends at Samsung. Samsung, you can go and find some information about them and a, a ton of great information. And one of the re- the resources is actually pulled from this area. It's insights.samsung.com. And the resource is about uh, retail technology trends in 2015. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on in the show. Uh, we've got some challenges, of course. Every Friday afternoon we do this. We get bandwidth challenges upon bandwidth challenges. So we're going to see if we can get through this show pretty quickly. Um, and I, I don't know if there's anything else that we need to talk about other than let's get this show on. I think, I think let's, just, let's just kick into high gear here. All right, first story involves stupidity and ridiculousness. <laughs> I'm just joking. I set the bar so high for you to just accept this, but this is um, I I am a I'm I'm a firm believer of delivery of of groceries are are terrible for me. I hate going to the grocery store. I love ordering them and then having somebody bring them out to my car and I drop them and put them in, in the trunk and then I'm on my merry way. In fact, in Canada, what I would love to be able to do is have them delivered to me. Uh, that is the ultimate goal for me is to get my groceries delivered to my door uh, and uh, being able to, uh, during the week, just add things to an app and then once a week have it delivered or whenever I need it, whenever I reach a threshold of cost. So say if I put $100 of groceries into the app, what I'd love to be able to do is have it triggered, say it's shipped and then I can continue right so it's continuous grocery drip i don't have to go anywhere it just arrives when i need it so uh taking the extreme opposite of that is this uh, this idea this concept around supermarkets and drive through supermarkets i'm not talking about like ordering picking out drive through i'm literally talking about you're in your car you go into a structure that has wide lanes and you can pull up and pick the product that you want from shelves and then it goes on a conveyor belt and then you pay at a cashier but you don't have to leave your car it is ludicrous now this is invented by a russian guy named dahir kermanbevich kermanbevich Something to that extent. It's a name that I would like to forget because this idea is so forgetful. Uh, like, I don't even understand this. You Literally, you, you drive through, you lean over. If you can't get the product, you uh, you get out of your car and you pick it up and you put it on the conveyor belt yourself. And then you get back in your car. And uh, and it's you know, on the second floor of this building is where everything's stocked. And once a product is off of the shelf, uh, it's a rotating shelf. It, you know, they have to stock it and then it comes back. It's just so stupid. 
stupid. Like I just can't even I can't even imagine. And then oh by the way, it has to be a no emission car. So it's like nine people that you know can go into this grocery store. It is the dumbest idea I think we have covered to date in 2016. The dumbest idea. Yeah, a I, I, like, it, it makes no store. sense to me. I don't know why. You know, everything should be about you know making it so much easier. Just have the groceries come to you. You know, order your groceries. That works pretty efficiently. I don't know why we have to drive through a grocery store. It's a drive-in, like, uh, but I, like I would like. Remember when uh, I used to ridicule this, like the drive-through banks? But now I love it, right? Like where I can, yeah. I don't have to leave my car and I'm going. But it's the epitome of laziness. But yeah. this, this is just pure stupidity. Now, if I could order online, and then I could get into a small area, like into a queue, and and pick up through a drive-through, right? Yeah, so that's all, fine though. Yeah. But like somebody's already grabbed all the product and put it right. in a basket for you, right? Yeah. Uh, you know. Okay. I don't know. This is dumb. This Anyhow. is this is just uh, like I, I swear. Like I think that we'll look back at this story uh, at the end of the year and think, "What was our dumbest story we ever covered?" That one. And here we are. That, and it's be only of, January fifteenth. Sure. I'm predicting that this will be the dumbest story we ever covered. Yeah. Anyway, that's our first story: a drive-in grocery store. Ugh. He's not an inventor. The guy who invented Dahir Dahir Kermanbievich is not an inventor. That you don't. That's not inventing. That's like, hey, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, instead of a round tire, I'm gonna do a square tire. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna actually regress. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. In fact, I'm gonna turn into a monkey instead of, you know, evolve into the next level of human. That's what we're talking about here. That's how dumb this idea is. Okay. Second story is Euclid Analytics, uh, the uh, powerhouse in the uh, indoor positioning uh, analytics, you know, tracking dwell times, movements of people, all that sort of stuff. Uh, they've raised $20 million in a Series C fund led by Cox Enterprises, um, as well as uh, some money coming from Group Arnaud, which, uh, interestingly enough, is the uh, the controlling shareholder in uh, Moe Hennessy uh, Louis Vuitton Group. So um, interesting to see that uh, somebody like that would uh, put money into Euclid. So there you go. Uh, other money coming from Gold Sky Capital uh, and as well as some of the existing uh, uh, investors, which include Benchmark Capital, NEA, and Harrison Metal. So there you go, $20 million bucks for Euclid Analytics. Uh, guys, Euclid, if you're listening, I just said we got Retail Local coming up at South by Southwest. You got $20 million bucks. You know I'm Why not come aboard that. as a sponsor? You know, throw, throw us a few shekels you know, and get on a panel and talk about what you're going to do with all this money. Yes, aside there from sponsoring yeah. Retail Local. Yeah. Yeah. I like well, it. That's good money. Lots of money being raised these days, isn't that? Yes. The case, Asif. Yeah. You know, some some good news, some not so good news. Some yeah. up rounds, some down rounds. Sometimes you raise money and like, you know, like you got to make some changes with that money, like right away. Like immediately. Like, like immediately. A, maybe like it's a condition of the investment? Maybe? Yes. You think kinda, maybe? Yeah. Well, of course, what we're talking about is the third story. And of course, we're talking about Foursquare, that company that never says die. Um, and uh, this is uh, Dennis Crowley's baby. He started this in 2009. We've never heard about it. I, I don't know where you've been. This is Foursquare. Um, it's a it's an app that I stopped using in 2010. We started talking about it at length in 2011, and uh, it has not died yet. And in fact, they just raised 45 million dollars, which is uh, surprising. But what's more surprising is that they accepted the terms of it, which is apparently half of the valuation. 
um, at half the valuation that the company was valued at in 2013 when they raised their last round. Um, so it is a, like some people say there's a dip in venture capital and investment in general and take the money while you can get it. But $45 million is not a small amount of money to raise, even if it is a down round. So right. kudos to them to raise that money. They raised it from uh, a number of, uh, of guys, including um, existing investors. But um, so it was led by uh, Union Square Ventures um, and the previous investors, including Andreessen Horowitz and DFJ Growth, um, as well as a new participant, which is Morgan Stanley. Uh, they're all involved in this new funding. So that's one side of it. Down round half of the value that it was once uh, valued at in 2013. <clears throat> The other side of it is, of course, that there's been a shakeup in the management level. Dennis Crowley, the founder, is now no longer the CEO. So uh, Jeff Gluck is now the chief executive, and Steve Rosenblatt is the president. They're going to be running the day-to-day -day operations of this company. And what is happening with Dennis is he's moving up into an advisory role where he's going to be focusing on product and long-term strategic growth and uh, and the things that he has like that he's having fun with. So I, what that says to me is that he's no longer involved with the company whatsoever. He's been punted out of there as a condition of the $45 million. Now, I saw... A tremendous, like, it's one thing to raise $45 million. It's great to raise $45 million. But uh, I don't know what their business model is. Still, it's about data. And I, really, you know, the more I think about it, the data is interesting. But I don't care how many iPhones are sold because of traffic around Apple stores. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because in a day, I'm going to get those numbers anyway. So predicting the number of iPhones sold is not a business. But they're getting more and more into the data side and selling data. And they said in this article that I read in the New York Times that they're selling that data to developers. I don't get that. So maybe there's a mistake. Um, the challenge is that they, they haven't really solidified this business model yet. But $45 million is hard to come by and good for them to, for doing it. The thing that I have a challenge with is all these celebritants out there, the social media quacks were saying, congratulations. And, and I don't know if you read this, but a half of a, the value of a company and getting this money in, how can this be a good, a good call? Basically, the investors are putting money in at half of the value that they put the money in in 2013. So they're, they're basically cutting their own necks or cutting off one of their arms. I don't get yeah. this. It just, it, you know, for me, it's uh, it does make sense. It didn't make sense when they split their apps up. It didn't make sense when they when they abolished the gaming gamification that brought things in. I don't use it. I don't know a lot of people that use it anymore. It's a terrible app for discovery because it's crap content compared to like TripAdvisor or Yelp. So uh, so many different things going against this company. Yet they raised forty five million. They got a new brand, a new leadership, and uh, and all these celebutants in the social media world. Uh, on the Twitters and the Facebooks are saying, hey, way to go, Crowley. I can't believe you did it. And I'm like, what are these people smoking? Man, what are they smoking? So $45 million, what does that do for this company without a business model? Um, so that's my view on it. I, I, you know, it's a rant again, but I just... Yeah, I, I mean, you have point. to think this, this, is, this is money that basically is going to keep them operating for a little while while they find a buyer. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's really what's happening now. Well, I mean, Crowley says good things happen to companies who are performing really well. If we continue performing how we have been, we'll find that we have a lot of options down the line. Like, yeah. dude, like, uh, so they plan on hiring 30 more employees across sales, engineering and other divisions to meet what it expects to be great demand in the location platform. I don't, don't doubt and I don't deny that this guy was at the They forefront. have great data. There's no question about it. I don't, I don't agree with that. It's just you got to figure out a way to monetize that. And there's a lot of other companies that could take that data. You know, some of them are already customers of Foursquares. Yeah. And those are the logical acquisition targets. 
Yeah, but I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't think that Foursquare has great data. I think it's spoiling data because they're not getting enough input into the data. I do believe that uh, like other companies like Esri and every other company like Facebook, they all have better better location data than Foursquare does. Somebody's got to prove to me that Foursquare has great yeah, data. Yeah, but it's not just about user-generated data. Like The data that these guys have now is yeah. all like <coughs> gathered through sensors in the device, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I just I don't... I don't, I don't <coughs> I don't we think can go on all day about these guys. So. Yeah, I just don't think that the data is good. I honestly, I don't think the data is good. And nobody, everybody says the data is good, but they haven't proven how good the data is because guess what? They haven't found a good business model. They've had to raise $45 million at half the valuation they were in 2013. When back then they said they had good data. So all, the, all these indications to me say that no, they don't have good data. No, they don't have a business model. But still, the, people aren't willing to give up on the company because of something. So prove to me that the data is good. Show me the good data. Show me the data. Show me the money. Show you the money. Oh, no, no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it what you would mean, brother. Hey, I got Bob Show on the other line. I'm gonna hear you say it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Show you the money. Don't show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah! Louder! Show me the money. That's it, brother, but you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! Our fourth story over to the UK uh, into London and a company called Go In Store. Now this is really interesting. So for, first of all, I want to give some attribution here. So this this story was uh, uh, brought to our attention by uh, Steve Slater. Uh, sent sent a note to Rob and I uh, to to tell us about this company over here. But this is really interesting. So Go In Store. What this is is a platform that links a merchant's e-commerce site. Uh, to the staff in the actual store, so it's a, it's again it's creating a bridge between what's happening in the online e-commerce world to the physical bricks and mortar stores, and so um, you know it's very very interesting. So you could be shopping online, you might have a question about a particular product, you can basically connect you know through this platform to an actual associate on a floor that can show you the product or answer questions. Uh, about it and, and kind of give you that, that sense of comfort. Um, I think this is the kind of thing that makes sense. I think this is the kind of thing Best Buy should have been doing like 20 years ago. Um, you know, it, it's all about customer service. It's all about understanding that it doesn't matter the customer buys the product from. You know, this whole idea of, you know, we have our bricks and mortar channel and it's one price over here and we have our e-commerce channel over here and it's a different price there. No, no, no. It's just one, people. You just want to sell more product um, regardless of where you're selling it from. And, you know, bridging the channels together uh, makes a lot of sense. So I like this platform. I think it's, uh, it's got some legs. Uh, I could see this taking off, uh, you know, all over the place and, you um, you know, maybe this is something we'll be talking about at the e-tail conferences coming up, or, um, you know, or even at Retail Loco in terms of bridging online and offline. So there you go. Go in store uh, from London. Very, very, very cool. Awesome. You get the uh, you get the good stories. This might be a good you, story. You got a good story coming up. Well, I do, but then I get the more I think about it, the more I think, oh god. No, you don't like it. Well, I just I, like I like the sentimentality of this, and I like the thought of this. This is about Lyft. 
They've uh, announced a partnership with National MedTrans Network that are going to provide seniors in New York City with a simple way to get to non-emergency doctor's appointments, uh, medical appointments, or whatever kind of appointments that they need to get. Um, so they have a they have a team. Lyft has introduced a team. Um, and a website that uh, helps seniors book rides. So, and if they can't do it, then they don't have a smartphone because the majority of seniors don't walk around with smartphones. Um, majority of seniors also don't spend a lot of time on the web, but that, that I'll talk about that in a second. So if you don't have a, a smartphone, they can do it themselves for the web, or if they can't do it from the web, at least a loved one can organize a ride from Lyft through the website. Um, you know, I, I, I see, if, you know, They've done 2,500 rides um, through uh, a week through the service, um, and that's what they're doing right now. So at least it's getting there. They want to do 25,000 trips per week is their goal to help seniors get around. And I think the altruism of this is amazing. I think that this is yeah. what they should do. I don't know what the cost is. They, they don't talk about that. Um, but they say that uh, 3.6 million Americans miss or have to delay medical care because they don't have the transportation to get there. So this is a way to help alleviate that. Uh, you, you know, I, I think a website and a, and a mobile app to be able to do this is misconstrued because we still have a phone. So if they told me that Lyft had a voice recognition system or an ability to call a number that enabled Lyft from a phone, because that's how seniors do stuff still, uh, they actually <laughs> dial, you know, 10 digits and they get a, they get somebody on the end of the line because that's what they do. I think that that would be the final piece in this, because if not, why not just call a cab? Uh, they've added complexity to the ability to get a cab, ultimately, is what it comes down to. Um, but Lyft is... Yeah, has, but I mean, I, I hear you, uh, and, I, and I agree with that statement, but at the end of the day... You know, they have the ability to pick up the phone and call a cab, but 3.6 million people are still missing appointments. It's true. So. It's true. But that's just, uh, you know what, I think a lot of that has to do with with um, not so much the the fact that they can't find transportation, because I think everybody can find transportation. It's about organization and, and, and making sure. Like I, I, I like That's a hard number for me to believe, is that, you know what, they can't find transportation. The world is full of transportation. Lyft is just another option, and 25,000 trips per week isn't going to cut it. However... I think that this is something that at least they're drawing awareness to it. I don't know that adding Lyft to the, to the the arsenal of transportation capabilities changes that number at all, right? I just I don't yeah. think that it does. So again, I'm I'm not a cynic, man. I'm not. But like this is some of these stories for me are are grandiose ways of making people feel like they're doing some good, but really it's just a way to get in TechCrunch or uh, in a magazine. And and maybe there's altruism here, but. Putting a website up for seniors to call cars uh, doesn't do it for me. I don't know any 85-year-old people that are surfing the web to get a car to go and pick them up. To like, If they're not calling cabs today or getting on a bus or calling a car or calling a loved one, the last thing they're going to do is get on the goddamn web and go to a URL, put their freaking credit card number in there and order a car from, from a service called Lyft. Like, you know, it just, it just seems excessive, man excessive just to get a goddamn car so like if they had phone if they had an ability to call a driver or something to that extent i think mm. it would it would at least add to that thing where you know now you have to remember a phone number as well as a url so i think altruism here i'm okay partnership is good whatever but i think in the end this doesn't budge that number the one that they're trying to fix um this is just another way to get into TechCrunch. wow i'm such a freaking cynic what happened i used to be optimistic man i used to have optimism I used to be optimistic. Uh, I see. You know, it's the beard. Sometimes it, it just drags you down. It's a little extra weight. Yeah. So yeah. it is. You know what? It's true. My face feels heavy, and especially yeah. when it gets wet. Right? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, those are the five stories of the week. Our industry news, of course, stick around because we've got our uh, our uh, member news that are coming up. Five more stories in our resource from Samsung. Go to insights.samsung.com. We thank them for sponsoring us. But before we get to the sponsorship, we've got a guest. It's not really a guest. Asif put out a challenge last week. We were talking about it after the show. It would be great if we get some of the folks who are actually in the cities where the LBMA operates and to give us a lay of the land of what is going on in their cities. So we call it, we're actually calling it I report, and you know, almost immediately, Asif snaps his fingers. We've got our first I report, and this time it's Abriana Lopez and Rob Friedman of Digital Element live from Atlanta. Take it away, Abriana. I'm Abriana Lopez. I am the president of the Atlanta chapter of the Location Based Marketing Association, and I'm here with Rob Friedman, who is the EVP and founder of Digital Envoy. Digital Element maybe is one of my uh, favorite members of, of the LBMA, maybe because I spend all my days here with this guy. But uh, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about... I am pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> special, maybe. Um, well, Digital Element was started on the concept of IP targeting, so the ability to know a lot about a user based on their IP address. But we've since evolved to adding basically everything geo, things like uh, reverse geocoding even. Um, and we've evolved also in being able to target IP addresses down to sub-zip code level um, through a partnership. So when you think of uh, digital element, you should just basically think of anything geo-related. That's us. Awesome. Who are some of our uh, top-tier clients that we can mention? Basically everybody. Kind of a who's who of the internet. Things like folks like Facebook, Twitter, um, Yahoo, AOL. Um, AOL is a long-standing uh, customer of ours, but basically anybody that, that does business on the internet should and could be using us. So exciting. So um, also I hear that we are going to be at Mobile World Congress. I'm very excited to be headed back to Barcelona. So do you want to talk about maybe some of our big initiatives 2016? Talk well, to- well uh, the biggest initiative is to keep determining a lot about a, a user based on IP address. Totally non-invasive, non-privacy invasive as well. Um, but things like contextual uh, information. So knowing whether a user is at a hotel or a, a business traveler or a Starbucks, is basically knowing a little bit more about the user so that our customers can do more targeting um, without the user having to give up information. So we, we give data to make more cool stuff. We do. That's, that should be our tagline. More cool stuff. Yes. More cool stuff. I like that. I like that. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys at some LBMA events this year here in Atlanta um, and maybe other chapters as well. And definitely, if you're at Mobile World Congress, please come and find us. We'll have a great booth there. And we're having a cocktail party Monday night, so you can't go wrong with free, free booze and food, right? Thank you, Abriana and Rob. Really appreciate it. I can't wait to see the next one. Where do you go next time, Asif? Europe land? Somewhere over in the Europe's? Yeah, maybe. I think that would be great. Be great. It'd be great. All right. Well, that was great. I, I hope we do much more of that uh, to get a little bit of uh, what's going on in each one of these. Uh, I, I, I will bring you some reports from Germany when I'm over there. I'll tell you that. You should videotape it, man. I will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. I got an app that we should be using. It's, it hasn't come out yet, but when we do, it would make this a real, a very easy to be able to go out and get solicit feedback from, from your, uh, your folks around the world. So we'll okay. talk about that. Yeah. We'll feature that as a feature at some point when the app is out a couple of weeks. All right, I want to draw attention to our sponsor this week. It is Samsung, of course. Samsung, we love you. We love you for so many reasons, not the least of which is your connected fridge. God, I love that. Like It, it was the rage of uh, the, the conversation around CES. And uh, I implore you to go and take a look at some of the stuff that is going on from Samsung from CES. 
They did a great uh, keynote presentation by their CEO that went through, uh, you know, my dream scenario about health and fitness and tying everything together around what I eat and my exercise and the things in the house and things out of the house. And I'm just looking for that unified experience. But if you have it, it's about six or seven minutes. I'll link through it in the show notes. It's just too long to play here. But uh, they did a great job on the on the keynote and they were everywhere through CES. Um, so a lot of announcements that were made at CES by Samsung. But we really appreciate the fact that they come here and they uh, sponsor us and, and we we would love it if you just at just send out a tweet and said, "Hey, listen, we love you at Samsung." In order to be able to uh, let them know that the, you heard about them from us, it helps us pay the bills. It helps us bring this news to you every single week, and we want to show them our support. So, if you want some great insights, I keep saying this: go to insights.samsung.com. It is non-partisan, impartial, very thorough content that they create, um, and they put it up there for free. And it's not all about Samsung's products, which is what I like about it. It is a good spot to get lay of the land of the industry, many, many different sectors of the industry. So, go to insights.samsung.com, and I'm going to bring you at the end of the show a resource directly from insights.samsung.com. But we really appreciate. Samsung coming on. So do us a favor. Support them who are supporting us. That way, indirectly and directly, you are supporting us to do what we are doing. Insights.samsung.com. Very cool. All right, AK, you, man, you, it's time to roll through some member news. news yeah, news. absolutely. So we got five quick stories. Uh, the first actually uh, relates to Samsung, and that is uh, one of our members is IQ uh, down in uh, Austin. And these guys are actually going to be at NRF next week in the Samsung booth. They're a, a partner, and they'll be uh, showing two uh, interesting technologies. They have a what, what they're calling the phone recommendation experience. So they're going to have a screen in the booth. Um, they'll automatically show um, um, and a, a content based on the age and gender of the viewer. So basically, you know, displaying, you know, content, you know, a phone recommendation and such based on what the what the screen's reading and, and and sort of interpreting as as the right content. So that's one thing that they're doing. The other is something on uh, the dashboard. And they're using analytics, uh, the the IQ Insights part of their platform, the analytics piece, to determine uh, not only how well the phone recommendation experience is performing, but how well uh, different experiences in the booth perform in terms of the shopper. Um, uh, engagement, if you will, and uh, as well as the traffic data. So, um, so they're giving Samsung some real insights into what's actually happening in their booth in terms of performance, and then also using their screen technology to kind of showcase, you know, what's the right you know phone for their for the right audience that happens to be standing in front of that screen. So, two cool things from IQ, uh, all happening in the Samsung booth at NRF. Go check them out and see what's going on. All right. Second story, 7-Eleven, all right? We love these guys, too. Also Texas-based, uh, in Dallas, though, not Austin. And uh, you might know, like a lot of these retailers, they have um, you know sophisticated mobile loyalty platforms, mobile rewards programs. Well, Samsung, or sorry, not Samsung, 7-Eleven did something rather interesting, uh, or announced something rather interesting this week, and that is that... Now, uh, in an age-appropriate way, uh, you will be able to use your uh, mobile rewards points to purchase uh, tobacco, alcohol, and lottery tickets uh, if you are of age. Now, this is very interesting. I don't know any other uh, retailer that has done this yet, so this could be actually an industry first. But uh, yes, they, they, um, you will receive an email notification if you're a Samsung, Samsung or why do I keep saying Samsung? 7-Eleven. Uh, rewards member, you'll get an email 
And, um, you know, it'll talk to you about their new policy and you can verify that your age uh, at that time as part of this. You have to be 21 or older and then you can adjust your account information accordingly and receive, receive age-restricted content that if you're not uh, over 21, you can't get. So there you go. So our third story is about Google. Well, you, the last couple of weeks, uh, Rob and I have talked a lot about AR and VR on the show. We've talked about Facebook and the, you know the Oculus uh, uh, glasses coming out for six hundred dollars. This week we're going to talk about, and it's not about Google Glass. Uh, they do have a, a V two of Google Glass, but it's only available as a B two B product uh, for the business community, not as a consumer product. But this week they announced the launch of a new virtual reality division led by uh, former Google Apps VP Clay Bavor. Um, he's uh, previous to that ran Gmail, uh, Google Drive, Google Docs, uh, and now he's going to be running Google Virtual Reality. Uh, and they're going to do a bunch of things in here, uh, according to an uh, interview that was done by uh, Robert uh, Kinkle, um, uh, who is uh, was was speaking at uh, at CES on behalf of Google. And uh, apparently, they um, they're focusing on video and reinventing uh, storytelling through virtual reality. That's where Google seems to be focusing all of their efforts in the VR world. Uh, so they're working in partnership with YouTube, with GoPro, uh, with a bunch of other people, um, all about reinventing storytelling uh, through VR. And that's what Google VR is going to do. So there you go, uh, Google moving heavy into VR. Four story. All right, we, you heard of GoDaddy and you heard of Yext and you heard of Constant Contact and all these business listing companies. Guess who's entering that business now? Vistaprint. Yeah, you heard me right, Vistaprint. So they have uh, announced this week a technology that they're calling Presence Management. Uh, and this is a tool targeted at small and medium businesses uh, where they can update their information, their business listing information on over 100 local directories. Right smack dab in the middle of Yext and, and Constant Contact's business. But you have to understand, Vistaprint is a company that does very well, has, I don't know, how many hundreds of thousands of uh, small, medium business customers that, you know, they do business cards and they do coffee mugs and they do whatever. So if you already have the client and you don't have to go chase them, then why not add a new service where you can manage their business, business listing information for them as well? I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, and they're they're, uh, they're using location data uh, from Newstar Localese in the U.S. and in, the, in Europe they're uh, powering this through Uberall's uh, data. So they've partnered up with some pretty big uh, powerhouse players in the space, and I think this could be uh, a big move for us to print uh, increase uh, revenue. Our final story, like the Austin Dallas, what's going on here? Uh, so Shelfbucks, uh, another Austin-based company, made an acquisition this week of a company called Emoco. That's E-M-M-O-C-O, and uh, this is a company that uh, is, uh, you know, in, in in the sort of, I'll call it a Bluetooth connection. They have a, they have a uh, technology called Blue Jewel. And, uh, you know, it puts them smack dab in the hardware business. Uh, so Shelfbucks, you know, um, didn't necessarily have their own hardware per se. Uh, now they do. So they have hardware, firmware, you know, the, 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 the service suite of products that comes from Emoco. Uh, and they can go roll this into uh, any application that they want at this point. So that's Shelfbucks acquires Emoco. So that's our five stories. Five bandwidth challenged stories. My goodness. I don't know who you're complaining about. What do you say? Like, God, give me some bandwidth. Man, man, man. Brutal. But, uh, That's what happens when you try to do it on a Friday afternoon, Rob. Well, what, what are people doing? Aren't they working? I don't, don't know. people work? I don't know what's you going race on. race home and surf the internet? 
<sighs> anyway, th- we got through it. Ten stories. Yeah, we, got, we had our eye report with Abriana and uh, and Rob from Digital Element. Um, and of course, now I get to finish this off with a resource, a quick resource from Samsung, our sponsor of the show. But I would say this, this is a good resource for retailers. Uh, you know, we're all looking forward to 2016, but it's always important to take a reflective look back at 2015 and look at the key trends that emerged in 2015 that might take us into 2016 and explain where we're going beyond that. So that is exactly what this resource is. It's called Retail Technology Trends 2015, a year of digital disruption and it's just a kind of a look back and to look at the four things that were the biggest pieces of disruption in 2015 when it came to retail so digital signage virtual reality which we talked about is a trend for 2016 mobile payments which we talked is a trend for 2016 and of course the emv update which is the euro pay mastercard visa liability shift mandate those are the four things that they said that are were disruptive in 2015 that will carry us through for 2016. The link is in our show notes. And of course, you can find this at untether.tv. Untether. Like just you like you with Samsung. Untether.tv, I can't say, and I should be able to say it. Untether.tv, episode 268. And again, this is called Retail Technology Trends 2015. Or you can go to insights.samsung.com and do a little searchy search for Retail Technology Trends 2015. And that is our resource from our lovely sponsor, Samsung Insights. Thank Samsung. you, Samsung. Thank you, Samsung. Well, thank you, Asif. That was it. 268. Thanks, done. Rob. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I hope you have a great time skiing. I am going to, and don't forget, you can check out my Instagram at Rob Woodbridge on Instagram, and it'll all be ski photos. Yeah, all of them ski photos. Maybe a couple of videos. It'll be fun. So I can't wait, but we will be back for 269. Maybe an eye report? An eye report. Yeah, I'll give you an eye report from uh, from the place we're staying at. That's exactly it. Maybe some location-based ski goggles tracking you down the hill. I, I wish know. I had the Oakley ones, you know. That the actually, Oakley ones? Yeah. So I'm, I'm telling you what I'm using. I'm using my Apple Watch, of course, for velocity and everything yeah. like that. I'm uh, for, for tracking um, exercise. I'm using the, the greatest app ever, Ski Tracks, to track my uh, vertical ski, uh, vertical feet skied and, and um, horizontal uh, distance. Uh, which is great. It's called Ski Tracks. And uh, then I'm also using Under Armour Record for physical biometric stuff. So this is a new app and it records how many steps you take and how much, how many calories you burn. So basically you start it on your watch and you go and then it takes your pulse and it does all that. So I'm, I'm interested to see how really stressful it is or how much exercise I get while I'm skiing. Um, so I'm going to give this all a try and we'll see and I'll report when I get home to see what uh, what, what happens after four cool. days of skiing. So, without further ado, let's kill the show. Don't break a leg. I will not. I will not. Okay. All right. All right, folks. We'll see you for 269. Have a great week, everybody.